Welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. I'm joined by the usual cast of characters this week. First, he is up in outer space living his best life. He's a platform prodigy, Mark Robinson. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm good. Um, it's been a hell of a week. Um, yeah, it's been. Wanna... Sorry. I, I, I will stab you. <laughs> Oh, come I, I on, can you not say it's been and not hear that in your head? You should just be thankful that I didn't go in with it's been a while. <laughs> I, I will stab both of you. What's more annoying, though? Stained it's been a while. Yeah, it's been. What's more annoying? Let's keep doing it to him when he says it's been and he can decide <laughs> then at the end of the year. I th- Well, no, so I don't hate the Bare Naked Ladies song. I do absolutely detest and despise the fucking Stain song because I think I've told this on the podcast before, but... There was a time in my life where in one succession, one fell swoop, uh, I went to a record shop and I purchased uh, a Creed album, a Stained album, and a Puddle of Mud album, which is just like the holy trifecta of awfulness. Um, It's the holy trifecta of 15-year-old listening in 2001. I was going to say, and and no one called the police on you? That as well. (laughs) And I remember after about two to three days, I did try to take the records back to the store because I was like, "These are terrible. Can I please return these?" And like, <laughs> and it doesn't you found really the work like that. Closed. <laughs> and they're like, it, "It doesn't really work like that here because obviously I hadn't <laughs> Ex- really bought." Excuse albums me, before. sir. These are clearly broken. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that that stained album. I I remember because obviously you know at the time I was like, "Oh yeah, it's been a while." It's this kind of powerful ballad, blah blah blah. And outside was a slightly inferior version and even now when i think about it it's an even more inferior version but the rest of the album is just complete disposable garbage like i will can if i'm going to give stain credit at least it's been a while has the the earworm hook of that that uh, phrase of passage and that's about the only compliment i can give that song um but yeah i guess that one does my head in more if we were to make a, a decision on that joining us as well he's the head of the table he lives his life a quarter mile at a time and of course it's mo bitches himself jack lazell (laughs) (laughs) chocolate giddy uh i'm good thanks mate yeah 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 uh welcome to the show everybody um listen bare naked ladies like it was a really strange song for them that because if you listen to their other stuff they're kind of like more poppy and a bit more like sonic you know kind of power pop rock kind of stuff and then they're you know, there's this one thing where one of the guys in the band has a funny voice and he starts doing a rap and, and they get they get huge off that song. And you know mm. what? It is an absolute staple of the has, early 2000s. Has Todd in the Shadows done a, an episode about that? About BNL? I, I don't think he would because I think they've done lots of other stuff. But I Yeah, mean, I'm like, not sure which one of his series it would fit into, I guess, because it wouldn't be a one-hit wonderland no, and they never. Well, they might have had a train record, though, but it, yeah. it would have been such a small blip on anyone's radar. But you know, yeah. like, don't be talking any of this stuff around the cast of Community because they'll blow yeah. you out for taking any <laughs> any chunks out of BNL. 
Uh, I, so, yeah. I would say bare naked ladies are probably like they have a, a modicum of success and notoriety in Canada, but like outside of their native homeland, probably. Yeah, it's like if anyone actually listened to the tragically hip. No. Right, the no. silence is perfect because it tells yeah, me yeah. everything I need to know. Right. I, well, my brain was trying to process who the fuck are the tragically hip. My point, right? They are right. a massive band in Canada, and like Canada is not too dissimilar of a music market to to America. Like it, it really isn't. Yet for some reason, like this Canadian band, they're not like Rush, who like you know hit it or some forty one or um, God fucking save us nickelback uh, who managed to export themselves from canada and, and be marketed in america but you have a squad in canada who've released like you know tens of albums that are super super popular but just for, for whatever reason they've never made it out of canada um and you know what i remember people talking about them and even i like mu- when i was a much bigger music fan than i am now i was just like i can't be bothered to listen to this <laughs> I, I don't have time to go out of my way and listen to the tragically hip um, so yeah, there you go. I, I think I've just proved my point, but I did not think I would start the show this week talking about bare naked ladies and the tragically yeah. hip. But hey, that's that's a crazy way of linked to the cast, eh? Jack, how how has your week been? Um, it's it's good, thanks, mate. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a bit of a spring in my step, bit of a pep in the old step. Quite Heading happy. The Champions League final. That would be it. Yep, very excited about that. Chelsea back in the Champions, back where we belong. Some would argue for the first time in in nine years. And by some, you mean yourself, right? <laughs> Just me. Yeah, it makes me feel old. Though. <laughs> you and you and Dean. Yeah, me. Uh, listen, always shout out Dean. Shout out Ren. Shout out that turnbuckle throwbacks, dude. Shout out um, Cats Fr and uh, all of the all, all of the homies. <laughs> or uh, all of the Twitter homies. And my old man, of course, uh, the, the guy who got me invested in all this. Yeah, Dan, the ultimate. Um, yeah, very excited, very happy with that. But, you know, I've uh, <laughs> after that 36 minutes uh, we did a few weeks ago on uh, the Super League, I tried to ban myself from talking about football too much. Uh, so I, was try- I had to veer a uh, massive friend of the show, well, Garrett Kidney, off last week from talking about Sheffield United too much. In fairness, we'll, uh, you got to like, will me off of it because I, I, I had, you know, the world's yeah. greatest FIFA player now. And football I just crazy, soccer football. mad. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's grab just... a FIFA 21 and play <laughs> football with the lads, I guess. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah, we'll don't worry. We'll definitely splurge when it comes to our uh, our European Championships pod, which is going oh, to be God. in the offing so in hyped. a few weeks. Um, yep. We better get working on that now that I've actually got all my college shit out of the way. Now that I think about it, we had great plans, uh, and then they did nothing. Um, but uh, look, let's just launch straight into because we've already killed enough time with idle patter and get into what we've seen this week. Um, Jack, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. So I started watching um, a show called The Bad Batch. Now, in the absence of uh, of any Marvel shows coming to Disney Plus until Loki, they seem to kind of have this constant series drop content. And I didn't realize that The Bad Batch was coming on because I remember seeing a trailer for it when they did, you know, they did like the big... Uh, reveals of all the upcoming Marvel and upcoming uh, Star Wars shows on Twitter. They did all the announcements and like everybody just went absolutely crazy. Um, So I watched uh, a good chunk of the first episode of The Bad Batch and I gotta say I really like it. Um, So the the story is basically set 
just as and and this will mean something to you if you know what it means and if you haven't and you don't want to be spoiled it would mean nothing to you so order 66 was just executed uh, and you have these this like small team of guys who are working um with all the clone troopers for the empire but they don't have the same nature as the clone troopers like they're kind of like a ragtag bunch of outlaws um and basically one of the jedi is slain uh, in this and um, that, that are with this uh, group of, of clone troopers and, and the bad batch guys and then there's a padawan there as well and they're trying to hunt him de- well some of them are trying to hunt him down but uh, one of the bad batch decides that it's a good idea to kind of keep him alive um, because he just doesn't feel right about killing him because they have the free will thing they're not like uh, they're not like the imperial soldiers and it kind of goes on from there uh, and gets very interesting you get like a nice little insight into you know what it was like after the wars won against the uh, droid army and 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 the aftermath of order 66 being executed and it was it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting show i i think it shares a similarity with the mandalorian i'm already noticing which is it's another show where there's almost a sort of reluctant father-son relationship um but this time with a with a character that can talk uh, which probably makes things a little bit easier than it does with a child but you know the um the learner uh, the padawan learner he is not as uh, as adorable and marketable and merchandisable as uh, baby yoda slash grogu was in the end but i'm enjoying it so far i think it's anybody who's like into the lore of star wars like you don't have to be deep like a book reader like one of the people that grinds kind of through the novels to really understand you know bits and pieces like it's it's referring back to things that we've seen in the films um i think one of the characters from uh the mandalorian fennec shan who's played by ming wen is is ter- like it turns up in the show um so there's a link there and everything that you've seen is kind of on-screen actions from star wars movies so it's not like a super you know you don't have to be deep in the weeds or anything to enjoy it and it's an animated show as well which i, I don't know if i mentioned um but yeah it's it's good stuff so far disney i mean well not disney but i guess lucasfilm before they were owned by the almighty mouse and all of the minions uh have a anyway lucasfilm have a pretty good record of these animated star wars shows i don't know if you guys have seen like clone wars or anything and what you think of them i i haven't it's one thing that's sitting on the hard drive at some stage to watch Mm. but it's one that like i constantly hear it's one of those shows like in the 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 kind of mold of like uh samurai jack or uh batman beyond where it's like they're not as big as other things related to the same intellectual property but the people that are into this show are super into us um and i know like um Austin Walker of Waypoint fame is part of a Clone Wars podcast that's wow. pretty big. Yeah, it's called like a more civilized age or something like that. Shout out to that podcast. And I was thinking about like doing that as a companion piece if I ever got into it. But yeah, I hear nothing but good things about Clone Wars. Him running that show means he might actually end up turning into like <laughs> a guy uh, or doing that podcast might mean he might be like a showrunner for one of these animated series well, at some point. He, he's already ended up writing like um a uh, like a short story for some expanded universe star wars novel or something oh um, right I rem- yeah well, i, I mean pimping that out that will be his way in maybe and then he yeah. kind of turns into the uh the next dave filoni the next thing he's like running a whole subset of the the star wars universe but yeah it's 
I like it. I like the feel to the show. You have five main characters, all with very disparate personalities because they've all had their um, different parts of their themselves enhanced. Um, in but like because their version of the cloning process was different, so they're not kind of they don't fit in conventionally with all the other troopers, which is pretty cool. Um, so it makes for like a an interesting balance. It's it's kind of similar. It's a weird comparison, but it's kind of similar to uh, Inside Out, where you have all of the different emotions and they all bounce off each other in different ways. And like Lewis Black's just you know exploding and screaming all the time, and uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, so they kind of like where they have the, the the different elements to them. It reminds me a bit of that. Uh, and there's good chemistry between them. I think like the the actors are. Uh, doing the parts and stuff are very good, and, and and I'm liking the show so far. The second episode is out. I I need to finish because the first episode's like an hour and a half long. I sat down to watch yeah. it um, earlier, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna eat dinner and watch this," and and I was getting quite deep into it, and it was like 45 minutes gone, and I'm like, "Oh, must be like one of these 40 minute to an hour things," and then there was still like a good 25 minutes, half an hour left, so. I still got a little ways to go on the first episode, but uh, yeah. I, I'd recommend it so far. I, I definitely want to finish it and go check out the second episode after the show ends for sure. Um, Mark, you've got nothing on on the heat for this week, uh, TV or movie wise. Um, no, no, my 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 week has been literally made up of college work and the the little time I have available to play some Pokemon Snap. So I will talk about that when we get to that. Good choice. So, I am uh, mine. I, I finished Twin Peaks, the the original series this week, finished season two. Didn't get as far past that as I wanted to uh, with college and things like that happening. So, yeah, um, David Lynch comes back at the end of season two, as I mentioned before. And he like I wouldn't say he completely salvages everything uh, with the season because there's so much shit that has gone off piste uh, across that second season that he kind of like I think he kind of triages the stuff that he really wants a good resolution to I think it ended on a on a really interesting note um and then I dove into the first part of the movie that is technically a prequel, but is also sort of a sequel, uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, before I get into the, the actual return series from a couple of years ago. Um, How is it a prequel and a sequel? I have to ask. I know it's um, Twin Peaks and all that, but... The most concise way I can put it, uh, because again, I haven't, I've only got an hour into this, so I can't remember everything that happens in it yet. Um, but the most concise way I can say is because David Lynch. Yeah, I kind of figured that's what it would be, but I figured yeah. it's there like some, yeah, over, but um, then yeah, David Lynch makes sense as an answer. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so the version I have was supplied to me by friend of the show, Keith Brony, because um, so there's Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, but there's also fan edits of Firewalk with me, which have added back in all the deleted scenes and kind of tidied things up so that it's a bit more connected and, and makes more sense and adds back in some of that kind of um, uh <laughs> whatever a movie's equivalent of flavor text would be in a video game you know some of that stuff that actually adds some little bits of characterization here or there that are that are quite interesting so yeah i'm about an hour into that the fan edit is three and a half hours long so that is a multiple sitting job um is it interesting stuff though or is it all like super expositional 
so it's it's interesting but it's uh, i imagine for the first time viewer it's quite jarring because the first you know i haven't said a clock to it but the first god knows how long of it is this really weird thing where it's like a different et- FBI investigator or a couple of investigators that seems to have nothing to do with Twin Peaks at all, but it's very clearly in a Twin Peaks universe. It's in a different town that has that has stuff that's kind of a weird flip reverse tonally from similar landmarks and characters in Twin Peaks. And one of, uh, I suppose it wasn't as weird at the time, but in hindsight, it's kind of weird that one of the investigators coming into the town is in fact Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's like it's it's an odd watch. Um, Wait, was David Hater in the first series then? Oh, if only. Um, yeah, there you go. But yeah, like so, it's 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 a work in progress. I imagine by our next show, I will have finally got to Twin Peaks: The Return, uh, which I'm very excited because that's the I'm going in completely blind to that. Um, so very excited. The other thing. Uh, I have gotten to this week and this is kind of because it's much lighter it doesn't require 100% of my attention uh, and this is something I am way behind the bandwagon for uh, I am now a Taskmaster guy uh, ah. Taskmaster the the show uh, that aired originally on Dave and then after being like so outrageously successful on Dave got bought by Channel 4 uh, and commissioned for a further four seasons of which I think they've done one or two now. Um, so they're up to 11 seasons. But basically, a couple of months into the pandemic, they dropped every single episode in full on YouTube. Ah, um, okay. And that's how I've been watching it. Um, and can, can, it, can I ask? Can I ask? Yeah. What the hell is a Taskmaster? So Taskmaster is like besides it, you know a very famous incident in WCW so, from 1993. Mark, can I, before, but sorry, Dave, before you jump in yeah. and explain it, um, Mark, you must have been in London like when Taskmaster was first on Dave. I swear to fucking God, man! Like every tube carriage I was in had a Taskmaster poster somewhere. Yeah. Like Dave were the absolute gits for advertising on the tube. Yeah. yeah, but what what the fuck is it? If you tell me so, what it is, I'll probably remember it. So it's the show you would know it basically if you've never seen it as the show that Greg Davies hosts uh, of uh, In Betweeners fame, the really tall guy. I, I know Greg Davies, but I'm yeah. I'm not. My brain still isn't so, registering what this is. So the the show started just from reading into it the show started as a live thing up at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe which Alex Horn who's his co-host and assistant on the show actually created the concept for it where he basically invited a load of comedians on stage with him and set them tasks that they would then have to come back the following year at the Fringe having accomplished or not and then they would go through it and determine who wins uh, on an arbitrary point scoring system <laughs> this was then a adapted into a TV show that Greg Davies hosts and Alex Horde is his assistant and point totaler and the guy who you know is on site when the uh, when people carry out the tasks and what it is is every season consists of five comedians um coming on the show and competing over a course of so I think the first couple of seasons are four or no six episodes then it gets beefed up to eight episodes and now i'm on season six already and it's up to 10 episodes per season now and it's the same comedians come back every single week and they are set a series of ridiculous tasks and 
they all must try and accomplish them to, you know, point to score points and become the winner of the Taskmaster series. Um, it's kind of basically a competitive twist on the panel show format that I think had gotten so tired uh, in the last several years. It's a different way of having a panel of the same comedians on on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. It's uh, like that um, sports show that James Corden hosts, but without James Corden yeah. there being a gobshite. Yeah. Yes, basically. Um, but it is incredible like it's what i like i kind of when i saw the the teaser i was like i like greg davies i've seen some of the comedians that are on it and i like some of them like noel feelings in one season of it and you know y- you will recognize faces um, i bet he's fucking useless at task no <laughs> but do you know the thing is like the thing about because like loads of the tasks are so obtuse or so esoteric that uh, no feeling actually has what I would describe as taskmaster brain, where he okay, has the right yeah. lateral thinking to handle these tasks. Like a guy who was uh, who was really good at it in an early season is Al Murray, the former pub landlord, because he doesn't really yeah. do the shtick anymore, does he? He's just himself now on stage. But he was really good at it because he kept trying to think of ways around. I was like, oh, well, this task says this has to be done, but it doesn't say I have to do it. So he would go and like pay somebody to do something for him or, you know, (laughs) there are comedians who try to think their way out of it. And then there are some people who just like take tasks at face value and fall on their arses. And um, like I do it a disservice because it is incredibly hard to describe some of the things that that go on on the show but it is it is an excellent light entertainment watch i i i get several huge out loud on my own laughs uh per episode like i said they're all on youtube to watch the so far six seasons out of six even if there's a comedian the start was like oh i don't usually like them they turn out to be really good and either somebody i don't like or somebody i'm like oh i don't know how they'd work at a show like this and they turn out to be really good like the uh i can't remember which season it is but uh bob mortimer is on one season i was like i like bob mortimer but i don't know if this is i don't know if this is a show format for him and i was i was proven wrong so quickly Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You yeah. is unfucking believable. Yeah. He's with perfect. His, like yeah. he just he just goes on and you don't know where the story is going yeah at the end of it. And you think about halfway through you're like, eh, this isn't really like I'm not this isn't funny. And then like he just at the end he nails yeah. it and you just oh my god. The, the, the thing about Bob Mortimer I always liked, like him and Vic Reeves, the shtick they used to do, they used yeah. to do the really generic fifties, sixties english club comedian presentation of their shtick but they were two of the most surreal bizarre comedians on tv like if you watch an episode of shooting stars which is loosely a game show like a panel game show they would put so much weird shit in there there'd be like a 30 second interlude where they're just doing something like banging a gong or playing like a really upbeat like euro dance technical thing on a keyboard and then bob mortimer would get up and dance vic reeves would play it and then they just go sit down and carry on the show and not mention it again Mm. and you just think like what the literally what is happening like guests used to just get up and walk around the studio johnny vegas would drink like five pints when he was on there 
it was so, so weird, man. But like, that's why I love so, Bob Mortimer. He's got a strange brain. I think he'd be good at that show for that reason. So, yeah, and he is. But uh, so I was trying to think of like a one task that I could kind of uh, sum things up in to try and tell you like how strange and how unexpected the show is. So as well as the season long arc of like who's going to get the most points after six, eight or ten episodes, there is individual uh prizes every week where the first task of every show is everybody has to bring in the most something item and whoever wins that episode gets to bring home all the items so <laughs> i will give you i will give you an example one of the seasons mark watson is on it and the on this particular episode, I believe the thing was you had to bring in your most adrenaline pumping item. And the great thing about like this bringing in the item thing is you always get a mixed bag of someone who's really thought a lot about it and goes the whole hog and does something com- incredible that you wouldn't have expected. And then people who just do some absolute dog shit. But... <laughs> Mark Watson, he goes, right, I, I took your me- your thing to mean, like, what's the most, like, it gets my heart beating fast just thinking about it or procuring the item. And he goes, so, Greg, what I've done is I've brought in a pair of your trousers. And you can see, like, Greg Davies is trying to put two and two together in his head. It's like, how the fuck has he gotten a pair of my trousers? And he just goes, he goes, last month you were doing a gig in Coventry and you can see the penny drop in Greg's <laughs> eyes. And he goes, and I lost my trousers. <laughs> and, like, and he goes, yes, and your support act was my friend Ed Gamble, who is my accomplice, and he stole your trousers. And he goes... I, I, I was walking the last thing I said when I walked out of the building that night was who the fuck loses trousers and he goes <laughs> I was thinking that Ed Gamble got in his car very quickly at the end of that night and he goes yes that's because I was on the phone to him going go now go now <laughs> <laughs> Ed Gamble sidebar a very good podcast he does with James Acaster called Off Menu about uh, yes he does about food and stuff like that and I would thoroughly re- in, in fact if you like chaos just listen to the Anony Jesselnik episode of that yeah. show because that <laughs> yes. is something thing right there i i do believe um either a caster or gamble or possibly both of them appear in seasons of taskmaster as well and i will alert you as to that but like if you just even on i don't want to because i don't want to spoil it on wikipedia but if you're not sold on it, like look up the lineups on that show each season on wikipedia I, I, and I, I um I, I go through phases of watching um, either like highlight reels of, of game panel shows or, you know, I'm actually just kind of sitting down to watch stuff. Like I'd go through periods of where I'd go and watch a whole bunch of, um, never mind the Buzzcocks. Some of it's purely for kind of nostalgic purpose, purposes because it was something that I watched a lot when I was a kid. And also just because a lot of it is actually very funny. Um, but a couple of years ago, I got into stuff like um, 8 out of 10 cats. Um, the 8 out of 10 cats does countdown, countdown. which is kind of I guess it's like the closest to or like the most mainstream attempt at a shooting stars in terms of doing yeah. that kind of esoteric uh, well, surrealist sort of Mark, shtick if you like that one of the early seasons Joe Wilkinson is on it alright okay uh, I yeah. think I will give this a spin then and on, please please watch the actual like don't just watch because there are highlights clips of some things but don't spoil some oh, tasks yeah. you? like just, just watch the show it's great and Joe Wilkinson is amazing on it okay um but I'll leave it at that anyway. I'll give you updates on if anybody that would pique your interest shows up uh, I, in the next week of me watching it. I do really want to watch it because I think... Oh, Jack, it is. It's <laughs> one of those times where I, I need to go, Jack, 
sit down with me here, my lad. Yeah. Watch this show because this is extremely Jack Lazell content. Does it bang from the first episode? Yes. Yes. Okay, the fir- then like, gonna, I will sit down with these kind and of, watch an episode of it then. Yeah, a lot of these panel shows take at least a season to find yeah. their feet properly, but this one, like, straight away, season one is a banger. Because I remember, like, the first Mock the Week season isn't yeah. that great, but, like, it picks up from the second season onwards. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, right, yeah, watch it. But anyway, right, let's move into games, and uh, I'm just going to sit back for a while because we are entering Pokemon Snap Corner. I had to make a value judgment this week uh, with the free time I'm going to have for the next few weeks. Was I going to get Resident Evil or was I going to get Snap? I figure for the podcast, you boys were going to have Snap covered, so I went a different way, and I'll talk about that in a few. But uh, the floor is yours, gentlemen. All right, well... um if you don't mind, Jack, I'll, I'll start as I uh, I hadn't played by uh, the time we recorded last week, though it did come out last Friday. Um, but yeah, like Pokemon Snap or new Pokemon Snap, I am very much enjoying it. Um, it definitely isn't a thing where if you play the original, you're going to get too much more kind of groundbreaking uh, content here. But if you want that kind of slight nostalgic trip of the original but updated in 2021 and with a whole bunch of new pokemon uh i think i think this game accomplishes that very well i do have a couple of uh quality of life um issues for one thing i mean the levels get repetitive pretty quickly even though you do like level up um so like for some of the levels you have like three different ways you can approach them and you've got the night versions of the levels but because the routes are pretty much the same other than you know there's like one um alternative route you can sometimes take in some of the levels yeah pretty much all the levels have the i don't know how far in you've got mark but all of the levels will have like alternative paths and one of them will have like a branching into a branching and stuff yeah i just wish it had the option to speed up the level like just give me like the right trigger you you can, can you can speed up the yeah you can speed up your little your little thing and, and How? power through. Uh, it is the one of the trigger buttons. It's a secret, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't. It, unless I um, there's a possibility that I skipped it if it tells you it because I skipped all of the text because all of the text in that game is completely fucking irrelevant. Um, but that's been the case with Pokemon games for like the last oh god I don't know. 20 odd years where it tries to force in story and lore and whatever else i think it's but, the r trigger i think like the back r trigger i'm just trying to i'm trying to envisage myself when i'm playing it now and i think but it's, i feel yeah. like i've been whacking all of the the trigger buttons and it didn't mm, okay whatever maybe you um, have to unlock it i i can't remember maybe maybe because i so i'm at the uh underwater level um, okay I yeah cool i don't know how many more levels there are like if you have done more than that uh there are there are more levels okay you can unlock um and okay. more more court without giving too much away like more kind of different versions of them and you know every course is different on every different level right so yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a level and it'll be three different yes you, as you the, level I, up, I mentioned be, that yeah yeah so three different versions of the same level 
but those three different versions you'll be able to get different photo opportunities and yeah. and have you been doing like the little in-game tasks that they set you trying to yep. get certain photos yep. and yep. stuff yeah. so, some of them are really uh annoying because i can't i just cannot figure out what it wants me to do and i guess the the big problem that i have and i haven't played the original in forever so um i can't make a, an accurate comparison but the the kind of the gameplay like the strategy that the game has to to incorporate really just comes down to just hammering all the face buttons and as you know we mentioned last week just either twatting a pokemon with an apple or a fluffy fruit whatever it calls it twatting it with the glowy ball or playing the 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 kind of song that plays for a few seconds which gets very tedious very quickly so like strategy kind of goes out the window because as soon as a pokemon appears you just kind of press all the buttons aim it in the general direction see what the pokemon does and then take a picture of it and hope for the best um with that said though like just the general practice of going around and you seeing pokemon in environments like you know seeing like bidoof sleeping on their their dam and you know unlocking the secret path to go to it and it pops its head out of the, the dam you know, once you play the level a couple of times, you'll see, um, like, you'll go over a bridge and you'll look to the left and you'll see some swans and the, the ducklets kind of coming down the river that you didn't spot before. And, like, loads of little things like that just kind of catch your eye. Um, and even if you can't take a picture next that, that time, you re- remember, all right, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that next time. So loads of little kind of touches like that are really, really, like, just sweet, you know. It's, it's a very sweet game like that. Um, and crucially, most importantly... It has a whale lord, and it's really fucking big, and it's fucking impossible to take a picture of it with the whole thing in the screen. And that is all I wanted. So this game obviously gets a 10 out of 10 from me. Yep. Uh, life-size whale lord makes me happy. Like, I was so disappointed in Sword and Shield when you had whale lord on, like, the battle uh, battlefield, and he wasn't life-size. Because I think, like, the Gigantamax Pokemon or whatever... He kind of should be comparable, like as tall as they are, he should be as long, if that makes sense, if you send him out there. But they kind of scale him down, or like him following you and stuff. You can have Pokemon follow you in, in, in Sword and Shield, like after that. And I kind of feel like Waylord, if he haven't follow you, it should only be following you in water, and you should just have like a massive fucking whale behind you, which would be really awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 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 pretty much. Um... I it was very nice that they they brought Todd back. Uh, that was that was a cool little touch. Yes, um, I had not unlocked Todd Snap last week, and then the first mission I played after we did the show, Todd Snap came back and he brought like his little shitbag assistant with him. But uh, yeah, his hair's looking good. I gotta say. Yeah, like everyone everyone's got good hair game in the game, except for some reason, like the the little kid, like his assistant has like big spiky hair, but it's grey. Like he's aged dramatically in the hair department very quickly. I don't know what the fuck that's about. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just, it's more snap, you know? Uh, I don't think if you're going into this, you should be expecting really anything more other than, uh, I will say, um, while, while most of the levels and most of the biomes look really nice and some of the, like the, the jungle level at night is really, really nice. Um, there's a lot of, uh, just the environment just really kind of like eye catching to, to go around. Technically, uh it, it has been pretty hitchy at points um i've been playing docked and uh the, there are like a couple of moments where the frame rate just seems to die there for some reason what it is about switch games and grass that those two things are just not compatible i don't know but it just seems to be the case and here's another game where that's where that's the case 
Um, so, it, you know, it's it's hitched a couple of times, um, like when there's a couple of Pokemon on the screen and they're going at it. But, you know, nothing that, that's game-breaking by any means. Um, but just, just getting those kind of one-off moments, like, you know, getting two Buffalons to, to ram into each other. Like, little things like that that you accomplish. Or just seeing Score Bunny just kind of running around, just being a little gobshite. Uh, hmm. I really enjoy it. it. It's The one thing I will say is that it is sometimes hard to kind of determine what exactly... Um, determines what is a one-star, a two-star, a three-star, a four-star... Uh, and you kind of just like when, when it gets you to the point where you're selecting the photos from like each Pokemon. I just if I see a four star that I haven't got yet, I'll just like take it because it's like, well, I have no idea how the fuck I'm actually the four star ones. I think are easier to kind of register like how to accomplish that than like sometimes the two and the three stars. I, I feel like maybe I'm taking so many pictures that like the time frame between when it is registered as a two-star and a three-star picture, like, we're talking, like, milliseconds, because I'm snapping lots of pictures. Um, So that is not that clear, but I don't know how you could, you know, really make that any clearer without just having to kind of write, hey, here's, like, the coordinates of the position of this Pokemon at exactly this angle. It constitutes as two stars, and this is three stars, uh, which wouldn't work. But, yeah, I mean... Is it a 60 quid game? I don't know, but it's Nintendo, so what are you going to do about it? Um, but uh, it's 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 something you can come pick up, play for 10 minutes, do a round or two. Uh, and I like the biomes. I think the levels are, are really nice and pleasant. And There's lots of different Pokemon that obviously weren't in the original one. Um, and there's a, bit, there's a bit in, I think it's the Reef level, where as you're going along... Um, there's just this kind of platform out in the middle of nowhere and there's just a Machamp just kind of flexing yeah. and doing his own thing. Yeah. And it's fucking hilarious. It's amazing. Yeah, if you um I think if you twat him with like four apples, um and then chuck like the uh the Illumina orb at him, he will fully go into like a like guns Hulk Hogan style pose. Excellent. Um and that is how you get four star Machamp. Like like I said last week on the show, like pretty much my strategy with most of it is like twatting them. Um, but now what I realize is, um, like the previous, I remember like the previous games, uh, like say the first, the first beach level of the previous games, previous game, the first level you, you could lure a Pikachu to the, uh, surfboard. So I'm now like using the apples more to lure Pokemon. Like, cause if you keep like, you do like a line of, of apples, like it's a Pac-Man style situation where they'll just go apple to apple to apple to like the newest apple and then they'll get into situations like if you have a message where you've got to take a photo of two pokemon together or whatever if you like apple up you can see where one is and the other is and then you can apple it up so they they kind of meet up and i don't know if they'll battle or something there's one in that level you were talking about mark um the like the reef level where there's uh there's a surviper in the grass and then there's like a zangoose like over here on the right hand side and you can sort of like apple the the zangoose out, or apple the zangoose to the edge, and then apple the surviper out of the grass, and then they just start trying to twat each other. Basically, are you using apple as a verb, by the way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's what it is. I should say fluff fruit, but as you say, that is uh, so yeah, bloody stupid. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, because like I. I, I know that like apples are in the game and like the first yeah. time that I think it's Professor Mirror is like, hey, here's the fluff fruit that we have in the island. Yeah. Like, Fuck off. Yeah. 
Apple is obviously a legally protected term. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah it, it, it's property of the Del Monte Corporation. You can't use <laughs> um, it without licensing. I mean, I probably will get to a point where I will get bored of trying to find all of the the kind of in-game objectives that it wants me to do and i'll just do a tony hawks and just like watch a video like okay i just need to throw that there and then go and do it um but i'm not at that point yet like it there's so much there's enough in the levels where you know every time you do a run you probably even just by accident will unlock something that you didn't in a, in a prior run um so that's good fun um and the, i can't remember what they're called exactly is it cactoon i think it's cactoon um they're very funny to knock off like they stand like the top of these kind of desert mounds and you can throw an apple at them and sometimes you can get an apple lodged into the head which was the image from uh yeah cackney by the way cackney from a a, a jpeg in the the thumbnail last week but you can also get them to kind of roll down the 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 desert mound um and that's quite funny yeah so cacturn is what they evolve into Ah, okay. That sort of like big cactus boy with like he's like a dark shadowy Pokemon. But yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. In short, I, got I, a tw- got a twat them all. I don't I don't think it's a sixty quid game. That I guess is the one point of contention. If I'm getting is that what it is? So sixty euro in uh, it's sixty euro for us. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, it was I think it was, was forty nine probably for us. Yeah. I didn't even look. I'm not gonna lie. I was no, just, I mean you're just gonna buy it. And, yeah. I just bought it. I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't. It didn't matter. It could have been two hundred pounds, and you were getting us. <laughs> Imagine I did accidentally buy some two hundred pound edition and didn't even realise. Yeah, uh, accidentally. <laughs> yeah, on purpose. Yeah, and I've ordered like you know a Pokemon Snap edition Switch, which I'm glad they didn't bring out uh, because I might have, <laughs> uh, but I didn't. Um, so, <laughs> I yeah, I'm really enjoying the game. I will say, Mark about your um 60 quid thing i or 50 quid 60 euro 70 dollars probably right i will say i'm still playing it and the original i wouldn't be still playing i would be finished by now like comfortably in terms of like, there is definitely more like i you know you can't say that there, there isn't enough there between yeah um, so I'm. I'm <laughs> I guess Mark's argument would be the original wasn't a full price. Shouldn't have been a full price well, game either. <laughs> but like, there's what Fair. six or seven. I'm, I'm six or seven levels deep, and each of those levels has two or three stages with different Pokemon. And there's the night version as well. So there's you know there's definitely if you get sick of doing a run on one level, there's definitely other levels to to go mm-hmm. and kind of gallivant around and. And there's legendaries. I don't know. Have you found any yet? Not yet. No. I mean, so I. I I guess it's the one kind of thing with the pacing that I don't quite understand. Like, so I did the first level, and then um, I did the night version of it, and then there's the kind of offshoot where you have the big meganium, meganium, yeah, and it does that whole thing. And so I was thinking, okay, right, I get sort of what the flow is here. Like each biome will have the day version, the night version, and then some special version to do kind of like some sort of one-off photo shoot with. But it didn't do that. And I kind of like, it it was just kind of weird in the pacing that it kind of made a big song and dance about doing it for that first time, um, but then doesn't do it afterwards. And I don't know if it's something that you have to unlock in some way, but it hasn't happened yet for me. So Yeah, you you will unlock it as you kind of level the areas up more. I guess the only grindy element sometimes is getting to unlock to like to get like that level three uh, achievement and stuff because you do your best. You you unlock level twos really quickly 
and then you take like do one maybe two runs of a level two level and then there'll be that extra like twenty thousand experience or something that you know you can get but like you really gotta like do like maybe three four runs to try and figure some shit out like i've done a lot of experimental runs in the game where i just go through like you know accelerate um with the it, it, i definitely think it is the right zr trigger i'm using to accelerate it is uh, in my head anyway uh and then you get to a point like right i'm like yeah okay so how am i going to get this photo of it? say like a quagsire in the jungle you know the, the quagsire leaping off or whatever to try and get that four star because it's usually you know you say about what distinguishes three star four star four star it's like usually an either an attack or a or a big pose like if you can get them to do some sort of big you know jumpy up and down thing or you know like any anything that kind of produces you know like there's like octillery if you can get that to spew out ink that'd be like four stars and stuff i've found the hardest ones are the three star ones mark where you're just like you know like a guaranteed two star pretty much every level is getting them to eat one of their apple slash fluff fruits if you can get them to do that, like you always get two stars. Yeah, for and that. if you even if you take a photo of a Pokemon from like four miles away, it, as long as it's kind of even a dot in the screen, you got a one star. You're good to go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. The only but one, the three stars is like, I don't know what what constitutes as a three star. You yeah, know? It, it's it's kind of like a rare photo, but not the coolest thing you can do. And I think like I'm always looking for trying to get the pokemon to do the coolest thing i can do like i feel like i'm missing more three stars than i am four stars in a lot of these yeah i, I think so as well yeah have uh, you evolved anything yet because evolved? i have done i have done fucking everything to try and evolve a magic harp and all it wants to do is splash yeah i don't i'm not sure i'm not sure that you can that's I, a missed opportunity for me yeah i think so um i haven't discovered one yet i could be wrong I haven't finished the game. I'm a long way from finishing it, I think. But yeah, I, I'm sad about that because my one of my favourite things of, of the previous game, I mentioned last week, was knocking the Charmeleon into the pool of lava and getting it to evolve into a Charizard. Like, that is an awesome moment. And it comes out and it does the big thing with the wings and like screaming at you. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, you don't get that. I haven't had a moment like that yet. But I've had, I've had so many fun moments. Like I say, I love seeing um Surviper and, and Zangoose like fighting it out um there's a way to get like some levels you'll see like different Pokemon like dotted around um and you can if you like get them to go they'll all like head off towards a different part of the level and stuff like you can do that with the the, li- the Lipards or the Leapards depending on your pronunciation of that in the jungle where you can get them to all congregate at the end um but it's trying to some of them are like hidden so i'm going through a couple of times just trying to find all of the lipard leapards and 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 get them to go at the end and then they all start jumping up and down and that's pretty cool so just little moments like that i would agree that sometimes the logic of figuring out how to do that is pretty difficult though those little hint boxes that they give you uh, missions to do are decent but they don't explain everything. Like, there's a few in there that I'm still kind of scratching my head. No, and and they're a bit annoying because like once you've done one of them, which you've unlocked whatever the event is, like that event will still occur every time. And I get it because obviously you need to do the event to take the picture of the Pokemon. But like the the icon kind of flashes up and you're scanning for it, thinking, oh, what is that? But it's something that you've already done, and it's it kind of just takes me out of like, hey, just just let me go and take pictures of stuff, and hmm. it's it's not. I don't know. Um, 
the most kind of elegant way of doing it. I feel like like once you've unlocked whatever that is, whether it just kind of automatically does that event from now on or something like that. Um, it's yeah, it's and as you said, like it's not always kind of clear. Like, hey, here's a thing, but then it doesn't really do anything more than that. Some of them are kind of obvious, like the first one with the Emolga. It makes it pretty clear, pretty obvious. Just like, okay, throw an apple at those charred apples and something will happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not all of them are as obvious as that. You can actually get like a really sweet photo of that Emolga if you, before you even get to that bit, like if you're looking up, one zooms over you. And oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. It's yeah. a real bastard to get, but if you can mm-hmm. get a good photo of it. My only other frustration, and like I literally don't know how they would do this any other way, that the way that they point it up, you know, it seems to me like size and centrality are the major point getters. So whether the Pokemon is looking at you isn't worth is is worth half as much as the size. So you could have like um, Garrett was saying last week, you could have like his Badoof butt picture um, if it was perfectly in the middle of the frame and like really big in the camera and you're not like cutting any of it off you could get 2000 points for that but then you would only get like a thousand points if it was like looking dead at you down the the lens of the camera and yeah i mean i would say produce butt is worth more points in its face yeah i mean potentially yeah um, they are you know what I always kind of hated Bidoof I just found it really annoying in the games now I love it now it might actually be one of my favourite Pokemon because of that first level uh, it's a just it's a beaver you it's, know? and it's very endearing it's a goddamn adorable beaver there's yeah. absolutely no point for it in, a, in any kind of battling situation and the second you kind of get stronger Pokemon like that you, is usually what it. those kind of early wild normal type Pokemon uh, are in the end and yeah. things except Rattata you know Rattata is pretty good if he's got Hyper Fang yeah, Hyperfang in the first game, but then after that, it's kind of dead forever. Um, Pretty much. But yeah, I. Uh, it's hard for them to get a point system than the, uh, different than the one that they have because so much of I've taken so many photos. Put it this way, that I would say that is a much nicer, much better photo than the one that got me the most points. But because they had to make the point system the way it was artistic sort of interpretation and creativity isn't as efficient in the game as knowing that you need to get it in the middle of the frame at the right size to get all of the points to get your four star thing you know um there's no way around that really and if you like a photo you've taken of a pokemon you can still save it you can share it you can do all that good stuff with it uh but yeah that's the only disappointing part is like they had to do a point system. They had to it had to be a certain way like that. But I've taken nicer photos and photos that have got me points, and then had to let that one go from my album. Where yeah, I've been same. a bit like, nah. yeah, that's that is a pain as well. Yeah, yeah. that's my only doubt. That's my only knock on it. But I honestly, in my head, I can't think of a better way that they're doing that. You know, aside from like having a <laughs> Tinder type system where anyone in the game can like rate your photo and swipe right and swipe left on it, and you get a percentage for it. But yeah, that'd be incredibly difficult. And, you know, in two or three years' time when no one's really playing it, it'll be hard to uh, to get any scores on any photos. I, I would also like if it was possible, because, like, when you... Once you've done the level, um, and then you can save whatever photos you want to your album, I'm pretty sure it doesn't do it. But it would be really nice when you, like, find the photo that you want. You can upload it to your, to your album, but I, I wish it would give you the option to also just immediately upload to, like, Twitter or Facebook or whatever as well. Because I'm can. pretty sure the flow... 
Is it, I feel like you have to go, like, once you've done the end of the level, you have to go back to, like, the main screen, then go into the album, and then from there you upload it to, to Twitter. Yeah. Oh, uh, you mean, like, just, like, write as in built, write in, take it right away and stuff? Yeah, just straight away. Like, it's a, it's obviously a quality of life thing, but yeah. it feels like if you want to upload it, just you would probably want to do it right there at that second. Like, oh, it's a really good photo. Let me upload this one straight away. Uh, it seems weird that it wouldn't give you that option at that moment. Yeah, um, fair enough. I, I, it's, 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 not like, it's not like Nintendo to be a bit weird about online functionality. Well, in fairness, like most of the online functionality that the game has is is like fine, you know. Yeah. Um, Pretty good. Even. So it's it's just yeah, it's the one little kind of flow that it is not how I would do it, but. Um, yeah, I think we've rambled on enough now. Um, yeah, so sorry, completely, yeah, to, let's completely make, change the tone. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a bit of moderate tone shift here is that I have been playing. And this is like one of those times where like we are right on the cutting edge of a current game here because this game has been out for less than 24 hours as we're recording this. Uh, Resident Evil Village, the, the, the eighth numbered Resident Evil game. Um yeah, this one has been obviously on my radar. Um, I felt like when Resi 7 Biohazard came out a few years ago, I raved about it on the show for a long time. It like was the shot in the arm that game needed uh, brought it right back to a a a pant-shitting level of terror uh, <laughs> that had not been seen in a long, long time. And, you know, we were actually talking about this uh, in our group chat today and the decision to go to first person with these games. Um, I think I, I completely get people who are a bit meh on first person sometimes nowadays that there's a bit kind of like almost motion sickness comes to people uh, when they're playing um first person games sometimes but i think if there is a genre for which first person is perfect it's survival horror because i think the further you get the camera out of your character's head the more detached you can become from the experience and the more you can go it's not happening to me it's not happening to me but if this shit is happening right up in your face all the time it's like it's another level um this game is the yeah it, it is a dr- <laughs> It's a direct sequel to Resident Evil 7 uh, in as much as in as much as your protagonist from it is Ethan from 7. It is a different location entirely, as you will have probably gleamed from all the promotional material. The game is set like not immediately after the events of 7, but three years after the events of 7, where Ethan, his wife and their newborn baby have relocated after everything that went down. Obviously, they couldn't exactly um, get shit out of their heads, so they have moved to Europe. Um, And, you know, it's not outright said, but from the currency that you pick up there, from the use of names like Dimitrescu and the big castle up on the hill, you can surmise that it is a parallel to Transylvania yeah i mean Um, first of all like ethan for fuck's sake man like if you've had a horrible spooky terrifying experience in your life i mean moving to transylvania just you know go live in surbiton or something like he he isn't he isn't he isn't living there but that's where he ends up i will say Oh, okay i was gonna Uh, absolutely bury him for me no no it's the storyline beats because i've watched like the first two hours of gameplay Uh, we're going to stay we are going to say spoiler free because again this game is like fresh out of yeah. the oven okay um, tell me that it makes sense I will, sense. I, I, I will, I, I will also just does. say I, I will get Maria to confirm that it has a Romanian vibe to it like the yeah. you know, well, it's so. the name isn't it like definitely at least in it, it, yeah at least in 
uh, a literary sense, it is very much the world of Dracula yeah. uh, and 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 things like that. I mean, to to really um, seal the deal, there so, has to be a Dan Petrescu in there somewhere. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe there is. Maybe there is. If, if, um, if Dan Petrescu turns up in this game, it's a guaranteed sale for your boy so, here. So Ethan is living his life, and then. Like, how do I dance around this? Uh, you you encounter somebody you met in the previous game and shit goes south instantly. And, like, this is, you know, I put a, I put a tweet out late last night saying, like, Resident Evil 8 isn't messing around. And, like, the story beats, it hits so quick and so bleakly in this were, like, real gut punches. And Ethan finds himself in this village where... It was one of those in the immediate aftermath of something absolutely nightmarish happening. And you spend the early minutes trying to piece together what it is. And, like, I'm not spoiling anything to mention, like, characters and monsters that appear in very early trailers for it. But you are very quickly, when you get into the village, you know it's creepy, you know it's a bit weird. But you are very quickly beset by uh, werewolves. And these werewolves are like make the the monsters in seven look like a walk in the fucking park in terms of you empty full clips into these fuckers and they won't go down. Um, you learn very early on um, the hard way that if there is more than one werewolf on the scene, just fucking book it get the shit out of there as quickly as you can. This is not a stand and fight sort of game. There is definitely the early vibes because there is more action in the early stages than maybe there was in seven it feels like there is going to be a slight bit more of a bent towards action than just survival horror in this but that's fine like once you're still kind of keeping both plates spinning i'm fine with that it has um it has elements of the way the horror was thought about in seven in as much as that i think regardless of what kind of scary thing you're scared of there's something for everyone to be scared of in it because you've everybody's seen because she became a living mean lady dimitrescu the very tall vampire that has created thirst in the lockdown brains of the world um she is one of the figures essentially the village is controlled by four different types of supernatural uh badassery um and she of which she is one uh of which there is also a guy um who is kind of he's like a like a bloodborne looking motherfucker who is basically the guy who sets the werewolves on you um there is a dude i i haven't seen too much of him in person but very much gives the uh kind of um lovecraftian uh vibe off of him and then there's also uh just for good measure if you're scared of some of the more uh kind of like uh things that that modern horror films are made of there is also a possessed marionette uh that is unsettling as fuck um i mean we've been needing some throwbacks to early devil may cry games so i'm all for this so it's got all the tropes you want from a resident evil game it's got a challenge uh it's got layers of challenge based on ammo ammo and inventory scarcity um it's got your it's got an auto save system at the lower difficulties and a uh a, a typewriter 
only system at the higher difficulties. Um, thankfully, it's not like the games where, uh, well, maybe the you usually unlock, like uh, I think in the last game it was called the Madhouse difficulty, but there might be a new game plus where you have to find typewriter ribbons like you could in previous games because you have a finite amount of saves, which would be some bullshit, let me tell you. But um, That's what it used to be back in the day, man. Yeah. You need those ink ribbons. Yeah. I really, really like this game so far. Again, it's early doors, but it looks fucking phenomenal on PlayStation 5. Um, It handles very well. Like I said, you know, I've talked about the first person camera, I think is is great i love the creepy vibe of the whole village i love how through the ruins of of different shacks and buildings and because it's so old there's like catacombs and basements under things the ways in which it kind of twists back on itself and there's so much to explore are fantastic um so far there doesn't seem to be like a mr x type persistent threat throughout uh it's more it's more akin to what the main part of seven is like where is that not the werewolves of, then do they not like come and so go kind of thing it, I, depend, I it depends a... on where and and when you are like it's not ah. like constantly there's fucking werewolves wailing on I, you like, I'm, I'm gonna hazard a wager and say whatever kind of section with um the tall vampire lady i bet she probably acts like the mr x character nope that's gonna be my get my guess nope Nope. Uh, that's the first. That's the first big kind of stronghold that you go to, or at least that I went to. I, I think it's the only one you can go to because it felt like I was being funneled that way. And um, the people you, uh, it's kind of like this big castle, and you're you're walking around, and she has three daughters who, like, I have. I don't know if I even again I was at the stage where I start getting in combat with one of them but I don't know if I'm supposed to fight and defeat them or run so I don't die because I haven't been well, able did to you hit play them the, with anything the demo? No, I okay. stayed completely blind coming in. Right, right, right. Fair enough. Um, Cuz I I watched like a fair bit of footage yeah. of of the demo and again like I said I've watched um when you get into the village and you kind of run around and like the next bit after that. Yeah. Um and obviously it's in a village so it'd be easy just to say hey this kind of reminds me a bit like the village in resident evil 4 but there is at least a little bit of a comparison of just that kind of early like shit goes south very quickly and there's that kind of first surge of intensity and and you kind of have like a small kind of arena setting that you're running around trying to just like fucking survive um so I, I, I think it definitely kind of picked up some cues from that. Yeah. One thing I'll be curious about, and obviously I'm sure we'll talk about it over the next kind of week or two. Um, Resident Evil 7, was that like a, a full-on linear uh, experience or did it do backtracking? Or I, yeah, I'm presuming it was lots world. and lots of backtracking. And uh, as far as I'm aware, you could do, like you had to do the, the, there's like a start of the game where it's isolated in one part of the house where you're trying to... Um, avoid daddy who is the persistent threat um but then when it opens out into the rest of the house from what i can tell there is an element of choice in which order you do certain things it's not i would say it's on the linear side but not 100 percent. and there is definitely 
backtracking involved. You know, mm-hmm. it wants it. It definitely suggests you hit certain things in a certain order, but you are going back and revisiting things and going to different areas. That hey, you know, I was in this quadrant earlier on, and that has helped me unlock stuff that I saw eight or nine hours ago, way back over here. Um, and it seems to be that way here. Like I, there was so much in that village section that I am now far away from that I imagine. I will be going back to because I could see locked gates with various symbols on them. That's the other another trope of the Resident Evil series that's there. Like, you know, you're going to be getting your funky shape keys. You're going to be solving your puzzles uh, to get to different areas. Um, but yeah, I love the vibe. I love the feeling. One of the things I really liked about it starting off is that one of the first prompts it gives you as well as like, do you want subtitles? Do you want HDR? Is uh it tailors the sound specifically. Are you going to be playing this with a headset or are you going to be playing it out of the TV so that we can tailor the sound uh, for that? That's very cool. Yeah. Um, and that really helps with the, the immersion of it all. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a high man on these kind of games, so I'm going to love it anyway, but this is, I'm already like, yep, this is exactly what I wanted. Uh, I want it to be the same kind of feel of a game uh, but I don't want it to just be uh, a rehash of seven, and it is very much not that. Um, I'll, I'll so be far. I'll be really curious because the the problem that I think horror games tend to run into um, is that they can start off very very strong, but it's about how do you maintain that experience over? Because I've heard that this game is is quite short um, yeah. in comparison to a lot of kind of bigger AAA titles, mm-hmm. uh, which. You know, some people are like, oh my god, it's only ten hours. But I'm thinking, what well, that might actually yeah, no, work in in you, this game's favor. Yeah, you don't want a twenty five hour survival horror no. game like this. Um, also, I think one of the things that does help keep it fresh is that if it plays out kind of similar in the structure, like I was saying to Seven, where it's kind of modular and that each different quadrant of the village each different stronghold you go to has a slightly different vibe so it almost feels like you're you're, like an episodic thing almost where it's just a slightly different kind of horror game like in that first one very much the daddy sections are keeping away from the persistent threat there's the kind of the son his section from what i remember is very much like one of those torture porn saw kind of films uh the the mother is very much like if you have a phobia of any sort of gross insect thing or body horror <laughs> you are not going to enjoy this yeah. um there's stuff with the grandma as well that has a different vibe again um so that seems to be the way this is leaning like they've figured out then like trying to rather than trying to stretch one thing out to 15 hours if we pick a couple of different things and craft them all as very good tight experiences that have uh, an overarching story to them um uh, and it seems like this is the way forward for them. The, the one thing I'll be very curious to see is how they tie this like supernatural force into the quote-unquote law of Resident Evil. Because, yeah. um, so you know, it's... We're, we're playing with forces here that obviously aren't... Um, kind of conducive to what you know, Resident Evil has yeah. been, which is, hey, zombies. And I know that, or from what I, 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 I can register, like, Seven went a little bit off in a different direction, but still is kind of contained within that universe. So I am curious to see exactly how or if they bother trying to do that so, with werewolves and vampires so, and the like. Yeah, 
I don't think that there was a definitive where this is in the timeline or whatever, whether this is a, uh, a reboot or whatever. Um, answer given in seven now i haven't played all the dlc yet i must confess confess for seven so that may have been answered but um the end of the main story of seven seems to set it up like this trilogy is almost like a a like either a soft reboot or a prequel because so does this like mold that's making everybody sick and twisted and supernatural in in the house in seven and right towards the very end of the game, you find some texts that suggest Umbrella have been investigating this mold. And what happened in the house was that they were transporting this stuff back from a freighter. And the patient zero from which the mold has come from, there was a containment leak, basically, for want of a better term. And that's how this shit went down. So my guess is maybe that these you know and this is blind speculation because i don't kind of um i'm a bit too long in the tooth now for sitting out and reading fan theories on resident evil games or anything like that but like it has a feel of like maybe umbrella are going to keep showing up at these when these this weird shit is going on because they're trying to do some evil shit but they're trying to find like the compound or the chemical for the virus uh and then maybe like the end of this trilogy is a setup for uh you know the zombies are back, baby. <laughs> you know, who knows? Albert Wesker shows up. I would love to see a zombie Dusty Rhodes. Like, that impression you just did. <laughs> yeah. At the very end of Seven, like, who is it comes, uh, repels down off a helicopter and saves you? But Chris. Um, uh, that, that's something that, like, I think uh, people who got uh, shit their pants too early and didn't finish the game didn't realize the fucking motherfucking Chris Redfield shows up and has a whole DLC where you play as him as well in Seven. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, so it definitely is in-universe, but it's just um, where in the timeline does it sit and is it a reboot? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, just a, a really... Um, a really good experience so far and it's exactly what i want i don't think it's going to be a mark robinson game i'm not sure <laughs> jack you're you're always a guy who like out of blind curiosity sometimes will play a game like this so maybe yeah or watch the game uh yeah. like i always go back to it but ian saying like on our uh, episode 200 special which go check it out if you haven't it's a good thing um yeah. i he will sometimes what he like the majority of his gaming will come through watching it and i think this yeah. might be one that honestly just i know that i like resident evil games but i never liked them enough to want to pay full price for them i don't know if that yeah. makes me a cheap person or i'm not <laughs> sure now i will say you might benefit from that because seven dropped pretty damn quick it did um yeah. in price um like i think that thing was 20 quid by the autumn uh, in like the 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 flash sales and stuff like that on various platforms, um, and who knows, maybe Uncle Phil will will uh, pick up the phone before the end of the year and get it on for a little while on the Game Pass. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for that big old price drop on Returnal. Yeah. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm not uh, paying full price for Returnal. My word. Yeah. On that note, I think maybe that's the first story we should go to because we have one story that might that ha- will have a good bit of discussion to it. So we'll leave that one to last, I think. But Returnal uh, had a patch come out this week that then got pulled because, Mark, I believe saves were being corrupted. Yeah, it seems like... And I was... Um, 
I was listening to a bit of uh, the the Eurogamer um, podcast. It was either today or yesterday, and one of the things they they mentioned is that you know everyone needs to keep in mind that obviously most uh, companies like uh, have had to go to a um, uh, a work from home uh, environment, and a lot of aspects of that you can. You can fit into that environment, okay, but the one area that's really tricky is um, uh, not Q and A, uh, QA, because so much of that is wrapped is wrapped up in red tape and NDAs and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine to do in a controlled environment, you know. But when you're working from home, that becomes a whole other thing. So you know, bug testing and QA and that kind of stuff becomes a hell of a lot more difficult to do and we've seen a fair amount of these types of issues over the last year pop up um i i don't want to say that that's the reason cyberpunk was released in the state it was i'm sure that would happen either way but something like this i'm curious to to see if this would have happened um if covid hadn't been a thing but yeah this this is a fucking like just train wreck uh so yeah housemark um the 1.3.3 patch was pulled by developers after it was found to have corrupted saves. Uh, they later released a 1.3.4 that fixed the save-related issues, um, but the developer said that those affected by the previous update uh, would have to re-download the game, which Ooh. that's a bit of a pain. Um, they obviously obviously offered their apologies. Um, it was a rough night for Eternal players. Uh, after the 1.3.3 went live and started causing what started causing havoc with saves, uh, the developers warned that to be safe, don't start the game before the upcoming patch is available and downloaded. Um, and you know that there's going to at least be, even if there's one person, there's probably going to be at least one person that's been affected or didn't get a chance to read that before they downloaded. Um, so yeah, this isn't great. Um, it's really unfortunate as well because um, I've 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 seen enough now that I do want to play this, but I definitely am happy that I didn't touch it uh, yet, and, and and I'm gonna wait for a while until all this is kind of resolved because of the nature of the game and the fact that you know you can't save if you you could be playing for like an hour and a half and you can't save at any point. Um, and just, I don't think a lot of people play like that in this day and age, you know, like I just, if I can't, if I have to do an hour and a half run and I can't save at any point and I need to just go and stop and do something else, uh, you know, uh, Returnal isn't the only game where the, um, where you can just kind of switch off the, the PS, PS5 and come back and jump on again because, you know, if an update happens, that's going to close it and just, it's, it's not great. It's, it's one of the big things that i'm just like yeah i'm i'm probably gonna leave this for a while until a this is fixed obviously but definitely as well um if they add some some sort of of checkpoint system uh because you know like people have lost hours of of uh gameplay and that's just never a good thing you know yeah that's kind of changed the channel heat um yeah and i don't know that if somebody has invested that much time into it uh, now, now we know that Sony have a refunds policy. <laughs> I don't know that people aren't going to be trying to get their money back, uh, and mm. they're pretty cheesed and hacked off by this whole thing. So I guess we'll kind of see in the next week or so whether it does create like enough negative buzz around it. But yeah. you know, I I haven't heard anything like you know hatchets out really yet. 
uh, there hasn't been much of a build on it. Just a lot of people are just so goddamn relieved that a like a PlayStation exclusive exists on the console. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and and the thing is, like for all intents and purposes, like outside of this, and it was obviously a, a pretty big issue. Uh, everything I've read is that this is a very very good game. Um, so I, I I don't know if that that is letting people be more lenient with it or just it's still in the early days. So it's like look, we'll just we'll kind of see if they get this fixed. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely the the kind of backlash hasn't been the same. But then it hasn't been hyped to the degree that that Cyberpunk was, and it never was going to be anyway. Uh, are um, we in the next great era for roguelikes? <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. I mean, we've had some pretty good ones. Yeah. Well, this um, is the thing is that like I'm. In terms of the visuals and the 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 like the the sci-fi vibes, the alien vibes of that game, I'm like ooh. But like, I don't know if I'm ready for another roguelike. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a roguelike, with also with kind of third-person bullet hell components to it. Doesn't strike yeah. me as a baseline game. Yeah, I'm just like I don't know. Maybe when it's much cheaper, you know, I with the best will in the world, it looks cool. But I don't know if I'm gonna have a good time with that. I um, will still be yeah. taking pictures of slacking at that point, just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, news leaked and then was confirmed this week that Lost Judgment is in fact coming. Uh, this is the sequel to Judgment, which was the. Um, sort of yakuza spin-off it's like in the yakuza universe but with none of the characters it's kind of like a a hard-boiled detective game in the uh, yakuza universe um so yeah it it has some of the familiar trappings of yakuza but it's kind of like i said whereas you're used to the inner politics of the crime families and things like this this is more like uh, exploring the almost noir cop side of things um it was a big kind of much like the the Yakuza games themselves are a big cult hit when it came out a year plus ago um our friend of the show matt, matt niner got to it quite recently in his task to to beat beat every yakuza game um, he's been flying through the yakuza yeah games. he's i'm i'm still a bit like i'm in the closing stretches of three but he's already on to four and has gone forward to beat judgment and come back to get to four in that time um i don't know how much time he's putting into the side quest i feel like if I did get into a Yakuza game, I the side yeah. quest would distract me and I would just never finish yeah. any of them. I He seems like he's trying to resist uh, because, again, yeah, like when we had the first time we had Kevin Mann on the show, he was talking about how like he'd lost 20, 30 hours to fishing and done nothing towards the story in that time. Um, yep. So Bit like me and yeah, Blitzball that, in Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Shout out Jeff Gersman. Yeah shit happens but uh last judgment is coming later this year i'm kind of staying detail free on it because i still haven't played the first one so i don't know if it's going to direct sequel or what like by the name i would imagine it is a, a proper sequel sequel but i think it's september it's coming out um yeah they like I, i'll tell you what those boys are are knocking it out of the park like between yakuza zero just lighting a fire in terms of global fandom for the, the yakuza series and then them spinning off doing judgment and having it being like a big cult success straight away the, uh, what, what is sorry what is, Sorry, I was going to ask. Like, what is the, the the kind of general gameplay trappings? Or like, is it similar gameplay wise to the Yakuza games? Because you mentioned the sort of detective neo noir stuff there. Because uh, there are elements of the Yakuza games I like, but the main thing that is, I just 
does my head in is the combat. I just do not like the combat that I've been playing. So if it does something different, I might be interested. Yeah. Um. I I can't speak to that for sure, having not actually played Judgment myself. So oh, I can't, okay. I can't right, speak to game feel or what the balance of combat versus detective elements there are. Um. But it like from what I remember, um, like people playing Judgment when it came out. Like I remember them saying like. Uh, this has the kind of like the essence of a Yakuza game, but it isn't like it very much isn't one as well. So maybe it might be more your speed. I don't know. I think it is on Game Pass, is it? I, I think they all are. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So might be worth having a look at. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's Lost Judgment. Not really I much. Say, to... Jack, Jack, what you was going to ask? Oh, yeah, I was, so, was going to say one of the things that they kind of highlighted was that, that this is coming out at the same time globally. Is that the first yeah. time that's ever happened with a Yakuza game? Uh, well, it's, again, like, it's not a Yakuza Yakuza game, but if it was, then it would be, yeah. yes. Um, like, anything from the Yakuza kind of canon. Uh, I, I think maybe, did Judgment come out globally at the same time? I that would be the only one that might I don't have, think it, it did. It, yeah, so then it would be the first one. Yeah, that, that you know what you um, were saying about how Zero kind of burned a hole in the conscience of everybody? Yeah. Uh, like, that is now a even, testament to how big this franchise has become in the West yeah. in the last few years, that they can yeah. now release something globally on the same day, and they've got enough people to, to work on that localization yeah. to bring that to everybody on that day. It's, it's definitely the most relevant it's ever been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, it, of course, Like a Dragon was a big success last year as well. Are they, uh, are they Namco? Well. Bandai Namco? I think that's the um, distributor, but yeah. they are what's it's, the name? Rio Gokoku Studio. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say because like Bandai Namco made Snap, so they're fucking. Oh, it is Sega. It is Sega. It yeah. Year, so. uh, of course, it's fucking Sega. Sure, you have the big Sega arcades in the middle of the. Yes, uh, and there's also the big Kamarojo. fucking Sega logo that appears at the start. Sega. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. Um, we have a little bit of uh, interesting detail that came out of the big Epic Games versus Apple trial, which is uh, still ongoing. And that is the detail, uh, not coming about Epic, not coming out about Apple, but about Microsoft, that they've never made a profit from the sale of console hardware. Um, now, like, you know, um, other platform holders you know there is an agreed upon period of time where it's kind of just accepted you're going to eat shit in your profit margin for a while uh getting um like a good grasp of that console space it's kind of one of those stories that's initially a little bit shocking to hear but when you think about like how deep the pockets of microsoft are and you think about their business strategy where they are prioritizing getting absolutely everybody uh onto game pass that they can um it's not it's yeah it's not as surprising like we are maybe six or seven months short of going we'll give you a free xbox and phil spencer will actually drive to your house and install it for you uh that's how much we want you to subscribe to game pass um i could show him my joe franco zola signed poster he'll be so happy oh he'd love that um what do you think of this one mark uh it's i mean this whole thing i haven't been able to catch up on um the whole thing the the whole trial as a whole uh there's a reporter rebecca valentine who's been basically kind of like just one big tweet thread uh, is that a real person because that sounds like a great 
video game like detective reporter well it's it's a twitter name so you know that's a great i mean like you have to be an investigative uh, investigative journalist with a name like rebecca valentine she definitely could show up in paradise killer too yeah or a private eye like she's like sat in the corner of a darkened room like supping on a whiskey and someone walks in about the disappearance of her daughter cigar smoke yeah and then rebecca (laughs) valentine spins around in her chair and she's like yeah okay bub i'll help you out like so I'm I'm waiting for Bob Hoskins. I, I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Are you waiting for Bob Hoskins? Oh, we're all waiting I'm for all, Bob Hoskins. I'm always waiting for Bob Hoskins. Where the fuck is Bob Hoskins? By the way, like he's dead. Dude was, he's dead. Is he dead? I yeah, oh. he died a couple of years ago. Oh man, rest, I did rest not know in peace that. The husk. Oh, what does Michael Jackson think about it? <laughs> I'm just. Gonna I'm, just I'm joking. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, there's a tangent for the ages. Um, Jesus, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm when I say for... he died a couple of years ago, he died in 2014. Oh, Mike, how did I miss the death of Bob Hoskins? I'm really sad. <laughs> I, I don't think he was doing much around the time, so it probably wasn't like... Yeah, but, uh, like, because he was super massive in, like, the, the late 80s, early 90s. And... Yeah, and then Super Mario Bros. happened. Do you think that was what fucked the career over for him? Uh, do you remember anything he did after that? BT adverts. <laughs> It's good to talk. (laughs) That was Hoskins, right? (laughs) (laughs) That was Hoskins. I'm not insane. I maybe. Oh, dude, I I I don't know. Wow, mate. I'm I'm just just I'm ready to move on from this. I'm mourning Bob Hoskins for the rest of the show. You 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 do that. (laughs) R.I.P. to a real one. I, uh, All the greats gone. Eggerhard Fasser, Bob Hoskins. I already know what's going to be on the uh, the thumbnail this week. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for a podcast that will kind of eloquently like detail the the, the kind of highlights from this. I thought you were going to um, say I'm waiting for a podcast to detail the life and career of Bob Hoskins. No, I expect <laughs> that's this one that for the rest like, of this show. Social. That's going on the heat for next week. <laughs> but, Let me tell I mean, you about I, Long Good Friday. What a movie. Honestly, the idea that Microsoft have never made a profit on one of their consoles, like, that doesn't come as a surprise to me because I, I imagine at this point in time, uh, consoles probably aren't making uh, any profit back. Like, the amount of tech that they're having to get into one of those boxes to sell under 500 quid there or thereabouts, like, I just, there's no fucking way they can make a profit on, on them. Uh, was I, I naive I just, to think yeah. that they were making? Because, see, like, when they knock them down to, like, 200 boys or something, at, like, you know, a few years into the run... I get it. Like, I get why they're not making a profit at that point. You see, paradoxically, that's usually when they start making money because the components get much cheaper and easier to manufacture because they're not as uh, next gen anymore. Ah, right. I I, I can't remember because I know, like, the original PlayStation, they whittled, like, all the fucking excessive parts off of that machine till it was just, you know, a bit of plastic that spun a disc. I don't remember, like, if that's the sort of thing they would do with the PS3 or the PS4 or the like, where they kind of remove ports and sections and bits and pieces. Because um, there was a PS2 Slim. I th- there was, a, I think, there was a PS3 Slim. Yeah, there was. There was yeah. both. Because I had both. Three di- there was three different versions of the PS3. Yeah, if you if you play your way through Astros, you unlock both of the uh, other ones. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I see. I shouldn't known that. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, yeah, there, there is logic there to think that possibly they could be making money off of those later on. But then again, I mean, they're dropping down in price as well, so maybe it, it all kind of balances out. But yeah, I, this comes as a shock to me. Um, I, you can see from a mile away that this is Microsoft's game plan of just, like, get as many, get the install base up as much as possible and then just bank on Game Pass being the thing that... Um, 
that brings in the coin. Did you see there was a, a document I saw um, with a bunch of games showing what Epic paid to have them as an exclusive on their store? Um, it's around somewhere I saw it floating about, and like some of the the prices I was seeing, or like it wasn't that much, you know, like yeah. But then uh, I guess until they came along and started trying to disrupt Steam's stranglehold on the market, maybe Steam were really lowballing because they were like, well, they're going to be on Steam because they need to be if they want to sell any copies, so we're going to give them, like, a paltry sum. So really all Epic needed to do is just give them slightly more coin and then bring in their game over because there was well, no competition, really, for, for a game Well, it's, 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 it's different because with Epic, they're getting that guaranteed money up front, where with Steam, they're just releasing the game on Steam. You know, it's the whole reason Epic, what Epic was doing was just buying the game for an exclusive. I think they have like a year-long exclusivity deal um, for, for, for the games. Um, so that's what they were trying to do, was just like get them that guaranteed money and then see, you know, how many more kind of games they would sell. Why but were people I have so to be honest. Pissed? I have to be honest, I uh, have info, I I know of of someone or of a game or a studio or whatever that did the the exclusive deal with Epic and it was a disaster for them, Uh, like a complete fucking disaster. Now this is obviously only one game, so maybe it was, um, maybe it was an outlier, but I don't think it would be. I I just don't think people, like I have the Epic Game Store, but... (laughs) You know, like the exclusives on there or the free games. I don't know. I, most of it is either stuff that I could already have or has probably appeared in a fucking humble bundle at some point for you know um, a, a stupid discount. So I just I, I was going to ask. Mark. Epic, Epic are spending a lot of money, but they're in a position where they can because fucking Fortnite is making all the money in the world. Mark. Why were people so? Uh, you've, you're a guy that has the Epic Game Store, right? And and you use your PC to game and stuff. Like, is it real inconvenient to have Epic as well as Steam installed? Like, oh, does no, it that's chug? just just fucking stupid tribalism. That's all that is. Oh right, okay. I just wanted it's, like it's, it's a Sony Microsoft thing. Oh Nintendo as well, I guess. Really? That, that's all it is. It's not. It's just a launcher. It's yeah. Like fucking. I'm sure. I'm sure there. I imagine half, like it's just the hassle of like oh fuck, close this, open this. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, I mean, mean I'm like, sure like fucking half the people banging on about that probably have the Blizzard launcher um, because that's, you know, if you want to play like Hearthstone or World of Warcraft, there's the Blizzard launcher. Fucking um, I, actually, you need the Blizzard launcher as well if you want to play Call of Duty on and, and Warzone on PC. Uh, there is like, the EA Origins has their own launcher if you want to play. Like, if I'm playing Xbox on my PC, I open up the Xbox app, but then if I want to play like I'm playing FIFA... That will then launch the EA launcher, which will then play through that. So I've got like two launchers on the go, though I, it's not particularly like CPU intensive. Uh, yeah, I, I just have one detail to add to this story, and that's that in 2000, Bob Hoskins played Manuel Noriega just... in a biopic uh, called Noriega, God's Favorite. And then he followed that up with what I'm sure was a powerhouse performance as Sancho Panza in a Don Quixote adaptation that also starred John Lithgow as Don Quixote de la Mancha. Wow, I bet he was absolutely chewing the scenery as Don Quixote. Like, I, I actually now want to watch that for that reason. I mean, yeah. Hoskins... So next week, ne- next week, our book report will be on Lith Coyote. 
you look at all those movies he made before before he made in Dagenham I think might be the only thing that I saw him in and that is a lot later in his career than I remember it that mm. he's just there's you look at his um like his by his, the way look if you could just see Mark sinking as we're talking well, about actually, the no, I'm just I'm, I'm reading a little <laughs> bit more um in in the article here because like it mentions as well that Sony hardware-wise are also operating at a loss, but Nintendo are, are in profit in terms of hardware sales. <laughs> That's because the cunts never drop the price of anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah, is an well. ingenious strategy, just everything full price all of the time. <laughs> yeah, our, our business strategy, how about no? Yeah, but I, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you think no. about like the hardware Nintendo have been running for the last... 20 odd years like the fucking the gamecube and the wii are basically the same console just one has motion control Uh, also like you know i picture it being a very nintendo thing that if somebody said oh no it's it's a given thing that you have to operate your your hardware sales at a loss and they'd be just like why yeah (laughs) like because they could you know theoretically they could make a console that's on par like processing wise and shit with the ps5 if they wanted to but that's not what they want to do they want to zig when everyone else zags like um, yeah and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that's why grass looks bad mark yeah yeah that's why they'll always be the crazy toy maker and And no no the grass looks good it just can't run at more than about 12 frames per second that's the progress (laughs) it looks good very slowly (laughs) um so, um, next new story, uh, Mark mentioned the Humble Bundle there, um, and I, I think we covered the story that they were going to be uh, getting rid of the sliders for charitable donation and make it a fixed figure that you donated for your Humble Bundles. Uh, well, in the latest step of let's undo something to get some PR that we, quote-unquote, listen to the fans, uh, Humble Bundle has reinstated the charitable donation sliders <laughs> because everybody went mad about it. Like, you, you are what, really the, losing the, sight of what we're in this for here. The voice of the people and these uh protests and what and the whatnot the you know hashtag glazes out like they're, they're they seem to be having a bit of an impact at the moment they, they actually seem to be doing something well you know there are occasions in which that is the case and then there are also occasions where they they factor in the 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 backtrack as a the cost of doing business like let's just see how far we can push things oh, oh, and yeah, then I, get I, I an know, easy get an easy PR win when we yeah, reel back. We from are saying, listening to the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, Vox I Populi, Vox Day, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's that's really all that we can we can say on that one. There's not much to that apart from they fucking climb down off their high horse on that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, f- look, so they, just to, to kind of clarify, like they said uh, it, in the article, Eurogamer, uh, it's a system that's helped um, raise £140 million pounds or $195 million for charity over the decade it's been operating. <laughs> and we wanted to throw that in the fucking bin. Yeah, they decided to announce, uh, this was last month, um, that it would be doing away with bundle sliders, which admittedly uh, had quietly been removed for some users. In So basically they did what's called like an A-B test, where they yeah. removed it for some people to kind of see like how much difference that would make, which... Look, it's not an illegal practice, but it's fucking shady. Um, replacing them with a toggle system, offering a fixed payment split instead. Uh, move the company said it was making to bring its bundle pages more in line with how our other products support charity. Um, but considering uh, after considerable backlash, uh, Humble Bundle has apologised and confirmed it will be reinstating the bundle sliders for now at least. 
We heard everyone loud and clear and apologise for the way these changes were rolled out. We are now taking a moment to pause, collect constructive feedback and be more transparent about the path forward. I'll tell you what, bundle sliders sound delicious. <laughs> they do, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> like just a big wedge of burgers. Oh, Yeah. Oh, man, I, I can go for some White Castle. <laughs> yeah, should we all drive to White Castle and have a wacky adventure? Damn. So <laughs> with their, their onions that uh, that Dan Riker once described as flavor crystals. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Dan Riker, this is a good segue. Speaking of Dan Riker, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Um, our final news story comes from uh, the world of of, uh, games media and that is uh, key members of the giant bomb staff Brad Shoemaker, Vinny Caravella and Alex Navarro have uh, tendered the resignations and on the day that we record this podcast have finished at giant bomb Um, an absolute shock to the system all three of these guys leaving at once they're like it's always been a website that has, um, you know, people passing through. You know, you'll get the odd gutting departure, like Drew Scanlon leaving, Dan Reichert leaving, uh, things like this. But these three guys leave it at once who you thought you'd have to drag the three of them out of that website at the very end. That It'd be them and Jeff turning off the lights at the end. Uh, Vinny and Brad have been with Giant Bomb since its inception. Um... Vinny in particular I believe was one of the first people to walk out uh, in in protest uh, at Jeff sacking from GameSpot back in the day uh, Alex uh, had left as well around that time but when Giant Bomb started up he was working over at Harmonix so he joined the site about a year later but all three of them have uh, tenured, tenured well over a decade at that website and have been fundamental to it and I think it's safe to say, and it's not true of just us, but true of most video game podcasts out there, that they, they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the, the giant bombcast. Um, so one of the things the three of us bond over in terms of video games, it's um, it's been really, like as much as it's it's heartbreaking news, it's been really kind of eye-opening to see how far and wide throughout the industry and throughout people that like I wouldn't have necessarily even known were giant bomb fans or listeners uh the sense of mourning but also celebration as to how um those three guys and the website as a whole impacted their lives yeah I mean I it's it's weird I come like quite late to giant bomb I guess compared to to you two guys um but I can't think of any other media entity where I was into the thing that they were talking about, but I was just way more into them as people and the way they kind of interact with each other and bounce off each other than any of the things they even talked about. And like, obviously I'm on a video games podcast. I love video games. Um, But just like just like things like the madness of dan reichert like when he was on there but like say like Vinny. Vinny seems like the honestly the person that you would love to have in your life like more than any of those guys because he's just like the most calming and intelligent and together person who he, he can kind of you know he's practical not just like in in his sensibilities but also in terms of being able to build stuff and make stuff work and stuff like that yeah um alex kind of seems like 
the friend that you make when you're in high school who's like super into music and you bond over that but then they just they, they just become part of the fabric of your life after a while and and Brad I just I just have really really nice guy like a real like a real and sweetheart like like a real unbelievably intelligent yeah. knowledgeable man and considered uh, like, like everything so much everything that he th- like everything that he delivers when when you listen to him i love listening to him on on game of the year because when he has like a thought or a feeling or a game he manages to break the emotional impact that he does that it has on him down and like chop it up in there with all of the hard and fast kind of um you know technical aspects of a game like he's such a good summarizer um he's like it's quite clear that he came from a journalistic background because the way he manages to convey things about video games i find i find really interesting like he's quite a cautious game player um which i guess can be frustrating to watch in quick looks but it's because he's thinking so much about everything that's going on around him at all times yeah it 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 also um it also lends to some of their more intriguing series that like the breaking brad where yeah. he tries to 100% bloodborne or you know when he tries to play brutal doom and and things like that it's it's very very entertaining yeah they just throw him it's like, like it's like when um, dan throws jeff out of his comfort zone by making him play mario party and stuff i love yeah. that they all at some stage in that site they all ended up having to play a game series that they were completely uncomfortable with. Like, Abby's introduction, yeah. making them, pushing them to play all such, like, the Sim games and stuff like that is Sims. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, and, and like you said there, Jack, I like, they were at the forefront of what I think, like, now is termed personality-driven content in, in video games, yeah. where... Yes, you kind of the way in is you see these guys playing a video game you want to know more about. So you go and you you watch the the quick look or you watch the series or whatever. But you stay because you gravitate towards one or more of the personalities on the site. And yeah, I I think for me like I'll particularly miss uh Vinny and and Brad for that because I think like Brad and Jeff are two guys where, like, if I hear, with the exception of Dota in Brad's case, if I hear either one of them rave about a game, like, that's going straight on my list because more times than not, they're on the money about stuff for my tastes. Um, And yeah, it's just been so long like i and i'm not i haven't been there since day one i've been there since around the time uh ryan davies died which was uh 2013 2013 yeah yeah it was like right around the time reichert started which was later that year so that's when i i've been on to them since and i've i've delved back into older stuff and there's yet more old stuff i probably still haven't watched and even that, like when I think about it, you know, 2013 to 2021, like that is a wedge of my life where these guys have been throwing out content Monday to Friday every single week that like I've been able to go when in doubt one of the boys has something up, you know, um, you know, our friend Ian was touching at it on, on Twitter earlier today where they're like, you can't even like rattle off without forgetting three or four series that just giant bomb east did in the last few years that were fantastic you know like steal my sunshine um or the play dates or anything like the the seven deadly frights the crime crew like, thing they did was great cr- crime crew like one of like 
when it was an absolute phenomenon, PUBG, their Murder Island series was substantially more entertaining than I was ever going to find playing PUBG myself. Um, it's just fantastic. It's worth saying that even though there's kind of a funereal vibe over Twitter this week, Mark, that Giant Bomb will continue. Jeff Gersman is staying on board and is talking about how there's going to be, you know, they're using this as an opportunity to rethink about what Giant Bomb is and how their their content is going forward. He is still there. Jason is still there. Rory is still there. Um Jan is still there. Backlog uh, is still there on the east. Back, yeah. Well, the east is gone now. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, he has been folded in. He was a he himself was acquired as part of the the merger last year, or the acquisition by by Red Media Ventures of all the CNET stuff. So now he has some position overseeing games content for the whole uh, Red Media Ventures family. So he is de facto a part of Giant Bomb, as is Dan. O'Dwyer because he is kind of contracted in to do bomb casts at the moment um so like we had a like a pre-game chat about this because it's all we've been thinking about this week they're so fundamental to our discussions about video games uh and like there's no point in speculating as to to what led to them leaving and there's no point necessarily speculating where they will end up next but i i think it's safe to say mark that like we are you know if they if we get anything half as cool out of any of them as you know cloth map or no clip or you know uh that i will be just fine with that i want to follow these guys wherever they go but by the same token they have lived so much of their adult lives in the public eye at this point that if they were just going to take a step back from all that and just go do some normal shit i couldn't begrudge them for the amount of entertainment they've given us yeah i mean like Vinny said himself that he just wants to go and spend some time with his family yeah and it's like <laughs> fair enough you know <laughs> who am i to, to to say otherwise against that yeah i like uh, i did see there was a whole bunch of speculation about um and, and this goes as far back as um like ben and abby with them leaving as well and i honestly i just i don't care it, the, the, yeah. that is is nothing to do with me and i'm, I'm there, just not interested yeah i, I think but, for a lot of people there's always the like the the, the human instinct of curiosity but yeah it's yeah. by far the least interesting thing about the story in terms of like the the interesting stuff is the content they have produced to this point and the content they will go on to produce if that is what they want to do yeah, and, the fact, and it just and hopefully they can live a, a nice, happy life as well. And I just think it comes down to the fact that, like, whether you want to admit it or not, the optics of a uh, an entity like Giant Bomb, which is this kind of you know video game podcast, video game series, whatever, was at that point primarily made up of m- not middle aged but white dudes in their late thirties yeah. to, to late forties. Yeah. Uh, sorry late thirties to early forties with the exceptions of like say Jan. And, you know, we are in a, and it's not that I, you know, for no, for not one second would I say that, um, the hiring practices of giant bomb was to be, you know, of that exclusive demographic. Yeah. We, we've seen guys over the years. We had Austin, we had, we had Abby, uh, we have Jan currently. Um, but I, I can definitely see like, there it's at a point now where it's like okay you've just got a bunch of late uh, late uh, late 30s early 40s mil- white guys yeah. um talking about video Wait. games and it's like well we have uh, we have yeah. quite a lot of that now on the yeah. internet and i i do think that 
whether this was it, obviously i don't think it was forced upon them but it's, it, it is at a point now it's like it probably yeah. is time for a kind of a radical yeah. change of the optics of what giant yeah. bomb is I, you know i i think that um it happens in a lot of workplaces where you have the same people in the same position because it's such a small company within a larger umbrella that like there's no kind of moving up in giant bomb you know you're an editor and then that's kind of it because like yeah. jeff that, ain't going it. nowhere you're no. not going to be the new jeff you know um and because of that, if you have, much as we love them, if you have those guys sticking around for so long, the most that you can get out of the people coming in through the site are what, you know, I I listened back this week to Danny's interview with Jeff for his No Clip podcast and talking about Giant Bomb as an incubator of talent. And, and that's what happens. Like, if you have those same guys there and there's no real upward trajectory for you in your position, as much as you might be having fun in the moment... Um, what you end what ends up happening is the young people that are coming the young hungry people that are coming in behind you are coming in they're they're improving their existing skills developing new skills building a name for themselves and then they're moving on to do bigger and bolder things like and no better example yeah, than Austin or, or Austin Clepic. and Patrick yeah yeah like Austin going on to be like he being recruited out of giant bomb to be the EIC of the vice's gaming vertical is incredible you know um and just goes to speak to the talent of the man yeah patrick you know Riker. the the list goes on you know everybody who has been through there as an employee has landed on their feet basically wherever they wanted to go to be able to write their own check because as we have seen this week from people up and down the games industry giant bomb are at a level of respect that no other outlet really has because and part of it is you touched on it there mark other sites other outlets are so transient with their staffs like the the staff of i i was saying this to somebody this week i remember if it was you guys but like if you look at the staff of ign for example now versus not even five but even three years ago is radically different you know what I mean? People come in and out of that place all the time. There's no sense of permanence and familiarity anymore at these outlets. Giant Bomb was the one going against the grain in that regard, where it's the same guys. And maybe it is, this is an opportunity for them to try and do something new. And, you know, Jeff's got his own family now as well. And he is just like, he announced baby number two yeah. on the way. Yeah. Just before all this news broke. <laughs> and, and, I think, and this is a much, much smaller example, but we saw something like this happen with, with Video Gamer, um, yeah. where they had uh, kind of brought together and cultivated like a hell of a bunch of talent at one go and was doing some really fucking funny stuff. And so, like, yeah. you know, very much in that personality driven video game sort of stuff. Um, and then you had a, a bunch of them just leave around about the same time. And, like, obviously, yeah. you know, Steve and Jim was kind of the, the big sort of, like, death knell for that. And while uh, it was amazing to see Alice, like, take the reins as the editor-in-chief, obviously she was gone before long. And I honestly just, you know, like, you look, you can see pretty clearly, you look at, like, the YouTube numbers, and those videos aren't doing more than 300, 400, 500 numbers a week. Yeah. Um, and you can go and see, you can go and find video gamer uh, videos where I'm pretty sure like their PS4 highlights at E3 uh, has over a million views easily, if yeah. not more. 
and, and even that cycle of Jim and Burns and, and Miller and all that was brought on by the fact that they had gotten stale and a bunch of people left and they just started hiring these guys who, after a while of kind of sitting around doing things the way things were always done, just went, why don't we just fucking do something different? Why don't we just fuck around Croydon and just make some Why nonsense? don't we just create the Miller Report? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, so, but my, the, the thing I was trying to say is, like, my concern is, like, I, I guess I'm less concerned with Giant Bomb because if, yeah. if there's anything we can say is they have done an incredible job, uh, whether it be Jeff or otherwise, of bringing in talent over the years and having them just kind of fit seamlessly into that system, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, like, I can't think... I, no. I know, you know, Ben is obviously the, the most kind of divisive, but I still think even he had a place within that entire, that system. Yeah. And so I'm less... I, I guess I'm less concerned that they, they, they could bring people in, yeah. but it's like, what even the hell Riker does Giant Bomb look like going forward? Because yeah. if they're bringing these people out... I'm imagining that there's going to probably be some kind of radical changes because the other thing that we haven't mentioned here is the games industry or the way that people consume media and and information and quote unquote journalism around games has radically changed over since the inception of of Giant Bomb, let alone going back, you know, 20 years ago. You know, so many people now consume uh, previews, reviews, uh, analysis, all this kind of stuff through, you know, YouTube and content creators and and, mm-hmm. and just watching people play games on Twitch streaming. And, yeah. you know, we've seen people from Giant Bomb leave to go and do that. Yeah. So while I, I still think that there is um, a place for what Giant Bomb was doing, you know, because I, I feel like, and obviously COVID have played a part in it, but they kind of really whittled down, like they removed pretty much all of the, the kind of writing from from the website you know they really yeah. wasn't doing reviews yeah, and they had been they had been trending that way since austin left yeah um and, 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 and that, that sucks said that as well and that but, sucks like, because they were they had some fucking great writers like gersman's yeah. a great writer uh, shoemaker was a great writer yeah. navarro's a great writer yeah so it sucks that they they took all of that out um yeah but obviously but they, I, I, they probably saw yeah. the writing on the wall for for yeah website writing in the industry i I think part of that is circumstance as well because like yeah um after they lost austin who was the new news guy that like and the guy who was going out and finding new voices to uh spotlight on the website it's such a big job that you couldn't get one of the existing guys to fill that void because then that pulls them out of doing what they had been doing. Um, and then circumstance as well, like Brad used to be one of the best preview guys in the games industry and used to be, and is still one of the best guys. Like he organizes, him and Alex organize the guests for the E3 night shows. But as Brad, I think has remarked himself in recent years, there are so many people that are aging out and finally just going to other parts of the game industry that his contact list isn't what it is it's a young man's game and like i said it's so transient that the way i like to look at it i tweeted this out the way i like to look at it is like let's just be thankful for how long they outlasted how how long they probably should have been around because my god like you don't get a crew that tight knit staying together that long in this industry and it'd be ever. that good for that long as well like yeah. you know i i i would fall in and out with with the bomb cast um 
but pretty much for the 311 episodes like kind of consistently i'd be listening to the beast cast like that was good from the start to finish beast cast is best cast my friend um and yeah it's just it's amazing that the the longevity of that site in this inception and how good it was throughout and i guess kind of the the last thing to to kind of talk about here is just you know general highlights of of uh of the last sort of 10, 12 years or so. Um, I mean, too many to count. Like, like Sheik Zanzibar, that we start with well, that. Oh, Hitsmus, I think, was like maybe the first um, one that united all of us, like the three of us and friend of the show, Matt Niner, and all talking about the same current giant bomb content at the same time. Uh, because it was around the time that we all fell in love with Hitman, because it me and Mark had played it earlier in the year. It was just around the time Jack had gotten into it that Hitsmus, the first one, hit. Um, and yeah, Hitsmus was just an incredible. Um, God, fuck, you put me on the spot now. For me, I got just uh, the first three Mario Party parties yeah. are some of the funniest, just interactions between people just real human people as much as as dan reich it can be qualified as a human sometimes and just the sheer disdain of gerstman for having to endure mario party games and the sheer unbridled joy of of Riker, and then you've got shoemaker in the middle also just hating the only thing like i think if you was to to kind of come up with like Gersman's 20th funniest uh, lines. Oh, so half many of, of them, them are Half of them are in Mario Party. Like, the best. Uh, but, uh, and so many of them are his agitation at Dan's existence. Yeah. Like, the, I was trying to think of one and the fucking the Terminator uh, argument with Dan on the, the bomb cast <laughs> uh, where he's just at a certain point, he's like, Jesus Christ, Dan. <laughs> you know? Um, I think every God. single member of the Giant Bomb crew said, Jesus Christ, Dan, at some point. Yeah. And uh, I I love that they were talking about Alex was talking about the time where he was literally so exasperated with Dan that he couldn't bang his head on a desk anymore. He just got up and lies flat on the floor, staring up at the ceiling because he had enough. He couldn't understand Um, how he could exist in this world. The the very first thing Dan pitched at Giant Bomb and it got accepted was uh, Jeff and Dan going to Six Flags and sitting on a roller coaster Point. and having a race on Mario uh, Super Mario World on the, the 3DS, yeah. wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 Mario yeah. Kart. While they went around and around on the roller coaster. Yeah. I've I, I got to um, say, the Mario Party thing, the best thing about it to me is, it's okay, Jeff is the angriest but Drew and Brad are also so upset that they're there. Drew is just like, you know what? Fine. As long as I just need to get through this, I'm just going to get through it. Every now and then, Brad just kind of like, he that that thing I was saying about him being really considered and stuff. Every now and then he just loses it and he just starts fucking yeah. burying the hell out of the game, like for like yeah. a few seconds, and then regains his composure. And, and da- Dan's refusal to admit that it isn't a game, a game of, of skill. skill. Yeah, uh, and um, <laughs> but the best Jeff Jeff exasperation in that isn't even just at Dan in general. It's just how the game seems to be randomly screwing specifically him <laughs> over more often than everybody else. My, my, my favorite um, Jeff Gersman line of all time comes from that series, and it's just whenever something terrible happens and he's just like fuck all video games forever um yeah like he's lost it with the concept of video games he's so mad at mario party i love that um 
And obviously so, that gave us DMX Goomba as DMX well. Goomba. DMX Goomba, uh, incredible. Uh, like I said, Murder Island, uh, Metal Gear Scanlon was another great series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like... Drew had never played the Metal Gear games and Dan is a, like a super fan. Um so like even <laughs> even like one of my all-time favorite giant bomb moments is uh Drew find uh seeing the end credits of Metal Gear Solid 1 and finding out about <laughs> Solid Snake being the president <laughs> of the United States of America <laughs> and absolutely losing his shit. <laughs> Um, Anytime they had to preview they, a sports game, like you know when they brought in yeah, Danny oh. O'Dwyer for for the for the cricket, Don Bradman, but the the rugby game that didn't work, yeah. and they were just running around yeah. for twenty minutes, uh, like the um, FIFA games. I, I love it when yeah. um, Brad and Vinny, um, it was no sorry, it's Vinny and Alex every year would play a game of Madden against each other. Like they're like, right, yeah. we have to fucking preview Madden for fuck's sake. We don't want to yeah. do it, but we're gonna do it anyway, kind of thing. I, I like that energy. Uh, Vinny, Vinny consistently trying to break games in quick looks is always great. Vinny and Brad with the chopper trying to figure out how to pilot the chopper oh, is genuinely just... one of the fu- <laughs> like I can't. You, you couldn't, read you that. couldn't like formulate that the timing of that if you tried. You know, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. How like, many of Vinny moments great... are there like that though? Where Vinny, Vinny putting that like shock game down his pants. You know the where you have to hold on to yeah. it, and it randomly one yeah. of the things gets shocked, and he puts it down his pants. But his um, pretty much his curiosity to break games, like you were saying, leads yeah. him into these moments. That well, he's the one that did the run on Hitsmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he didn't have any plans to do any of the no. stuff that he didn't. No. But like in that first Hitmas, Brad is the one who like has nearly a photographic memory of the Paris map, and he gets done about 10 minutes into and he's it furious. before he even gets the first target and he's livid and just like fucking Vinny Mr. Magoo's himself through the yep. whole thing and is like minutes from actually doing it that um, Vinny just about- alone if, if, if no one had ever seen Giant Bomb they had knew nothing about the people they didn't even know it was a video yeah. game thing and you just said watch this I guarantee everybody would love that yeah, yeah. the the unmitigated, the unmitigated chaos that were the uh, big live live show lives when they used to do those were incredible. Like just a twenty four hour stream of chaos. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the clip, Jack, but look up the the horrific game show that Dan plays on it uh, with Dave Lang uh, among other people called "Does It Taste Better with Nacho Cheese?" Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that was um, that was another feature of one of the Mario Party parties, wasn't it? He, him revealing that, oh, that was, his, yeah. his big delectation in life is to get Oreos and dip them in nacho cheese, yeah. and that's where that origin <laughs> yeah. of that came from, wasn't it? And yeah. so yeah, he did like I think there was like cereal, there was a Mississippi mud pie with nacho cheese. On it the one that gives me nightmares still is the uh, white russian Ugh. but with with nacho cheese instead of milk yellow russian what a garbage human being yeah um alex's drumming streams were just like that oh, dude just, oh he's just a very I, good I would, drummer just i would genuinely yeah, just leave them on in the background and just every now and again glance over like yep he's still drumming he um yeah. he's, he's <laughs> awesome know? by the way you, you mentioned dave lang the win Dave Lang's money segment where they put Dan in one yeah. of those like crystal maze style booths uh, and chucked a bunch of cash in there. Just 
the um the 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 Dave Lang, Johnny V, Jeff Gersman oh, segment, any of the uh, fucking uh, Adam stuff. Boys, where oh, where God John Vignocchi gets trashed and gives away Dave Lang's phone number on Twitter. <laughs> 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 oh my God! Uh, yeah. Hashtag free free Matt Kessler. Um, oh my god America sweetheart sweetheart. (laughs) I went back and watched that the other day and in terms of like timing as well like when he's like Dave Lang king of the garbage boys and you can see because Gersman doesn't crack it often (laughs) but even he is done about three times in that Speaking of times Gersman cracked, Inca people. Oh, Inca, Inca, Inca people. people. <laughs> Inca people is my number one. Inca people yeah, is my yeah. number one. You know, it's a fucking jam, man. Like Gills the Tweeb. <laughs> Pan flute solo. By the way, I got. I love you, Space Fruits. Who is it? Straight away when Dan says Gills the Tweeb, like within like a, a microsecond, someone just went. Yeah, that's definitely how that's pronounced. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's Alex. It was Brad. Oh, was it Brad? It's Brad. I was going to say Brad because yeah. there was definitely for about a year or two, like it is just Brad's sense of humor. People were like, "Does Brad actually hate that?" <laughs> <laughs> because like Brad is so dead, he just buries him. Nonsense. But it, this, yeah. one of the only ways to react to a guy like that is to just bury him at any opportunity because it doesn't yeah. derail Her- him at all. Yeah, uh, one one before we start closing things up here, one that got uh, reshared a bunch on Twitter this week that I I love so much is the running food bit with Austin and Dan on E3. Have you both seen I this? I think I haven't seen that one. So this is it's a supercut from an E3. So it must have been about 2016 if both of them were still there. Where in the background, while they're you know they do the live streams of the press conferences, so there's like the little screen on the bottom that has all the dudes on it, and they're talking away over the press conferences. Over the course of the whole week, they do a running bit where Austin or Dan has food or drink and goes to share it with them, and they're kind of like going, "Oh yeah, no, I'll have that," and they they start to like you know there's one like it starts off with like real simple stuff, but by the end, like. Fucking uh, Austin pulls out a giant fucking percolator of coffee and starts refilling everyone's coffees as they're talking. And like, it's it the amount of different times they did it. And I never realized it was a bit until months afterwards when somebody super cut it all together. And I had watched all the conferences because they just never drew attention to it. It's yeah, it's fantastic. I'm going to look that up and send it to you for homework, guys. Uh, but the last thing I'll say is pretty much everything Super Mario Maker related. Oh. Um, between oh, Reikening. Between and... Riker just making the most garbage levels, <laughs> Klepik fucking having to play them, Gerstman making like just random shit that people, like just, you know, Riker was just saying, yeah, chat says do this. Uh, police state, obviously, from that. But there's just a bit where, like, Gerstman's playing one of the levels. He's like, you know, there was a point where I was thinking that this was actually all right, but no, it's just, it's fucked. It's just fucked. It's just yeah. garbage. Um, the, uh, yeah. Uh, the, so, and obviously, you know, from that DMX Goomba in Mario Maker yeah. is is an, an all time classic. Quick looks of uh, all time trash, like uh, that Sonic Rise of Lyric game. Yeah. Or, <laughs> the bit where the frame rate goes and, yeah. and Gersman's like, what is up with it. this and motherfucking <laughs> video game? <laughs> yeah. And I was like a minute in and he's lost it. <laughs> or the contradiction, like Vinny's love of FMV games, the contradiction spot the liar uh, is one of the best. Um, yeah. There's just so many. Fire like, boiled. If you have net. Yeah. It, oh God, you only saw that one recently. Yeah, I'd, I'd never seen that one before. I, I don't know how that oh. one had evaded me, but my my word. And and, and Vinny's still <laughs> kayfabing it. He still says he didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
Yeah. Uh, just like an all-time um, great website, great people. We wish them all the best. And like, if somehow you've gotten to this podcast and you haven't listened or watched Giant Bomb content, honestly, treat yourself. And it is one of the best premium subscriptions that I keep going because like... Just the fucking content. So much to dip into. Man, there's so much, and it's so worth the previous of, like, the Filament 40s, where they did the whole Fast and Furious series. Like, Mark, if we ever do finally persuade you into it, you g- maybe that's the way to do it, with the Filament 40s commentary track of Dan, Alex, and Vinny watching them, and, like, Dan has never seen the movies before. Which is just <laughs> and, and Vinny, I think. think you know. Yeah, and, like, they quickly become his favourite films of all time. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah actually that's a reminder all systems goku is great as well yes yes yeah. absolutely all systems goku yeah. uh look on that note seeing as we're we're kind of like in a good mood now i think we'll leave it at that uh thanks for listening to link to the cast again this week um at link to the cast on twitter is where you need to go to keep up with the content as it's posted um to tell us you know what you want us to be covering on the show what giant bomb bits we forgot um and you know what you've been liking what you want us to look at um all that jazz uh, individually i'm at the day to dave mark is at lithium project and jack is at jack lazel until next week folks we shall see you then stay safe